Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Not D&D. It's brought to you by EN Live, part of EN World, the leading tabletop news and review site. I'm Jessica, your host, but much more excitingly today, I have not one but two fantastic guests with me. Kieran, please would you start by introducing yourself? Hi, I'm Kieran Gillen. I'm a fantastic guest. I'm uh, my <laughs> my day job is I'm a writer for mainly comics. So I write books for mm-hmm. Marvel, Image, uh, both characters. I don't own like the I don't know the who have I read? Like I'm writing the X Men at the moment. That's a good example. Uh, okay. And stuff I, like something like Wicked Divine and Die relevantly. Uh, and mm-hmm. when I was doing this comic called Die, I was also working on a role playing system based upon everything in Die. So that's kind of like my fruit line of who I am. Fantastic. And Grant, we also have you here with us today. Would you tell everybody how you're involved with Die RPG? Uh, yeah, so I am a... Uh, I write role-playing games for a living. I'm one-third of mm-hmm. Rowan, Rick and Deckard. I'm sort of the I'm the closest thing we have to a frontman. Uh, we have we, ha- we have two powers behind the throne. And, okay. Um, uh, and so, so Mary Hamilton and Chris Taylor are, are, are like the, the people who do a lot of thinking. And I get pushed on, front, I get pushed on stages and indeed streams. <laughs> Okay. Things like this. Excellent. Um, so, like the company jester, if you will, then. I I, I think jester gives me slightly too much gravitas, but yeah. <laughs> okay. and, um, uh, no, and also like, I've 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 written a bunch of games. Um, I've written like mm-hmm. um, Honey Heist is probably the most popular one which I've done. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I uh, the, the reason I'm here is Kira needed someone to turn his manuscript into a in, into a sellable book, and from what I can tell, we were already mates. <laughs> Yeah, that's like, lucky. I've been to Grant's yeah. house, but before we started working together, it's like I've been to Grant's house, so I, you know, wow. have ate his food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 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 you fell asleep on my sofa that one time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're fine. Yeah. We're fine. Yeah, that's the true mark of friendship, isn't it? Yeah. Eating food together and passing out on someone's sofa. No, we never said passing out. <laughs> no, oh, no, no, I did. I did oh, add that. I added that myself because <laughs> yeah. that was my kind of version of the story. Yeah. Um, well, but anyway, passing out. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll have you know. <laughs> It's okay. It'll be going out at 10pm, the live stream, so say what you like here after the watershed. Um, but today we're here to talk about the Die RPG and this beautiful cover art I have here. Uh, and it's currently live on Kickstarter now. At the time of recording, because uh, we're doing a pre-recording uh, for this session, uh, it's over a quarter of a million that it's raised. So doing very, very well. Uh, and you can check out the link there, uh, which is up on the screen and also in the show notes, if you want to have a look about what we're talking about as we have it in the discussion. Um, but before we get into talking about this beautiful RPG, which I have backed as well, uh, first of all, I want to get into kind of your background in with RPGs and how you got involved with the project, which we briefly kind of touched upon. So Grant, um, what was your first ever role-playing game that you played? Oh. <laughs> the first back one in the day was, oh back in the day so the first yeah. one i ever played was in high school it was a game called mm-hmm. saibatsu which no one's ever I've not heard no i've not no, heard no of that one heard please heard please uh, tell uh, me about that so, so I, I i went to high school in portugal okay uh, and so i didn't have a lot of i also i didn't really learn a lot of portuguese and there's not a huge okay. there certainly wasn't a huge portuguese role-playing industry in the late 90s and early 2000s mm-hmm. um so what i do is on my dial-up internet I would find any free RPGs I could and just mm-hmm. sort of harvest them into text documents. Okay. And then read them offline. And one of those was off an Angel Fire website called Zobatsu. Okay. Um, and it is it's, it frames itself as, as post-Gibson-esque cyberpunk. Uh, and I didn't right. know who William Gibson was when I played it. But I ran it for my friends and um, I think in a in a um, in, in a move which would go on to define the rest of my life. 
before I'd finished <laughs> that first game, I started changing the rules. Right, um, so started and, editing, designing, yeah, yeah, developing. Yeah, I, 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 I would have been fifteen, and I was like, "All right, boys, I've had an idea. Cool points. Now you do cool things." And yeah, that's. I mean, cool points is pretty much my game design philosophy up until now. Yeah, that does sound cool as well. Mm. So, perfect name. I mean, you want to have them. It's like, can your next game be called Cool Points? <laughs> it's just like, it just cuts the chase. It's the, it's the perfect grand game. I want to play I've, I've been cutting to the chase for so long. I'd love to do a better chase. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, Kieran, what was your, what's your background with um, RPGs? Like, what was the first RPG that you played? Like, I'm, um, I'm proper old. I've got a, I've got a, uh, a decade over grant. Um, okay. So I was a, I was there when RPGs wasn't like first wave America or anything, but mm-hmm. I was just like aware of it being cool and interesting. Okay. So the first thing I got, my parents bought me for my tenth birthday the Middle Earth role playing box set. Ooh. Now Mer- Merps is a cut down version of Rollmaster. If anyone mm-hmm. knows anything about Rollmaster, it's the game with all the tables and all the rules. Uh, right. So you can imagine little ten year old me with my brother who's like a couple of years younger opening this box and just staring in bemused horror. <laughs> So we basically spent lots of, there was some maps and little cardboard figures. And so we cut out the cardboard figures and we pushed them around the maps and occasionally rolled dice and looked at the table and mm-hmm. said some stuff. Um, and that was my first role-playing game. And of course, over nice. the next, say, four, let's say four years, I slowly learned more and more of the system. So we kept on playing mm-hmm. Merps, but yeah. increasingly something actually close to the rules rather than just what bizarreness we uh, kind of come up. So that was my way in, like uh, Tolkien, as always. Um, yeah. And also wrestling with incredibly complicated role systems for no reason. Yeah, <laughs> apparently. It sounds like a very crunchy kind of system. Um, mm. That's really interesting, actually, because I don't think we've had two guests on at the same time where neither one of them's first game wasn't Dungeons & Dragons. So that's kind of gets you some cool points, if you will, I think. Oh, well, if you like. Mm. Um, but yeah, but Grant, obviously you do, you do a lot of things in, uh, in the role-playing industry. Um, so how did you transition from being somebody that uh, enjoys you know, tweaking games at 15 with your friends to somebody that makes them for a living? Uh, so uh, much like Kieran, I used to be a games journalist. Okay. Uh, that was my, that was my, the, first, the closest thing I had to a career coming out of, out of university. Mm-hmm. I graduated in 2008, just in time for the world to start going downhill. And oh, so there were no jobs the millennial for story, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, there were no jobs <laughs> for writers. Uh, but I managed to squeeze into being a uh, sort of a lifestyle and games journalist. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, my partner uh, got hired to work for Guardian Australia, so I had to move to the other side of the world where I had no contacts and I wasn't legally allowed to work. Wonderful, so always helpful. I just sort of started. Like, thankfully, we were getting enough money in, and mm-hmm. Daddy Guardian was paying enough of the of, of our flat that I didn't need to to work full time. Nice. And so I was able to start a little Patreon. With, like, I, I I'm so lucky. I'm so thankful. I yeah, had yeah. the room to experiment in a place mm-hmm. where um, I wasn't going to starve to death if it didn't work. And yeah. it did work, and it was nice. And I think the first thing, yeah, I, I, um, I like, we, we've always been interested in making things. Um, that was the first role-playing thing. We would like we were doing LARPs before that in a semi, semi-professional mm-hmm. capacity as well, but they're even harder to make money out of, yes. it turns out. Mm-hmm. Um, and plus, you have to get everyone to a field for a whole weekend, and I like showers. Events management, health and safety. Oh God! Oh, I I, I had to write waivers. And uh, my my previous career for bringing games was doing wedding planning and coordinating. So Oof. yeah, I I can relate to all that. Congratulations side of on getting out of that. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> but uh, yeah, can relate to that. But yeah, so you were in kind of lab stuff, and then it moved to more kind of. 
tabletop RPG and more, things? Yeah, uh, we did um, Goblin Quest, which was my first ever sort of <laughs> published game through Kickstarter. And that was back in 2014, I want to say, mm-hmm. back when Kickstarter was still this sort of untamed Wild West and people were putting mm-hmm. out like potato salad yeah. on there so you could kind of do what you wanted. Yeah. I did what I wanted. I think it, it made like, oh, like 30 grand, I think, which was pretty nice. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. For the first time out. Um, and we haven't really haven't really looked back since then. We've uh, like uh, we we incorporated as Ryan Rick and Deckard, my so my partner who ricocheted me around the world, mm-hmm. uh, and Chris, uh, co-author on Spire and Heart, a bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm. Incorporate their business, um, and thanks to Die, we're now a going concern, which is pretty exciting. Excellent, yeah. So it's it's doing uh kind of it's doing super well at the moment. I'll just pop the um art up on the screen for the live stream mm-hmm. here. So, cool. I mean, so. Let's kind of get into why we're here to talk about here. So we're talking about uh, the Die RPG, which is listed here. Um, so if you could give us a little elevator pitch on that, Kieran, how would you how would you introduce this role-playing game to somebody? Um, Goth Jumanji. And that's the that's the two-word pitch. We can just quit and go home. That's the usual kind of way of putting it. <laughs> By what you mean, it's kind of like um, people get a group of real world messed up uh, realistically flawed people uh, get together as in, and you generate them that's the game first thing mm-hmm. you do in the game you make up some real world messed up people they okay. get together they play a role playing game they make a character they get transformed to a fantasy world and transformed into this character this embodiment of the hopes and fears and mm-hmm. the entire world is echoing their messed up nature back at them so like you know let's say you've got a distant relationship with your um, your mother and like so mm-hmm. the the lich the cold lich overlord might be that resemble your mother somehow that's that's the very basic sort of example okay. this world full of all the kind of warped versions of stuff you explore you get through and eventually you work out whether you can go home or not um that's the thing it's like the players have to come to a decision so that's the kind of structure it's basically a game about discovering who these people are and of course the meta question i said the word meta grant throws a brick at me no but that is the perfect that is the perfect word for this game though because i very much yeah. felt that as well i did feel it's very meta so i'll say it for you karen it's all right i mean like actually grant notes the real word is cartesian but i haven't said that yet so <laughs> um it is meta but you know what i mean like it's about why why yeah. do you play rpgs but at the same yeah. time I mean, the thing I always sort of stress in the pitch when you say that, it's like, oh, that's, that's um, you know, if you say meta. But the real thing, it's just really, really human what it is mm-hmm. in that kind of like you're playing people. And immediately it's like, you know what people are. You may not want to, you may not know what an elf is or how an orc feels about anything, but you know how people feel when they, you know, I was hoping mm-hmm. to have a career and my entire life has fell apart, you know, and it yeah. makes it really easy to role play because <laughs> you can just do that stuff. Um, so yeah. immediately, despite all the trappings, it's mm-hmm. still like a really emotional, fun thing to do. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's done. Definitely. I mean, when I saw it, I really liked the idea of it because it, it seemed like it would be quite... I haven't had a chance to play it because I've just backed Kickstarter. But uh, it seems like it'll be a very kind of cathartic experience almost. And when you say it's like messed up people in... It can be, it has, it doesn't have to be something really extreme. Like you mentioned mm. your examples, it can be something quite minor, like you don't have a great relationship with your parents or maybe you've just been made redundant and you're, you know, and you're looking for a new job in the sense of identity with your career. Or So it can be kind of these mundane things that happen all the time, but for an individual are quite, you know, impactful. Yeah. So. In, some, in some ways, as you say, that the small stuff's the better. You know, it's the mm. conflict between yeah. this really human minor detail mm-hmm. and the fact you're, you know, you're now an eight foot guy with a sword the size of a, the sword made of demons and whatever. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And they, you they, get they, to they, paint it in, yeah. these, in these very big scale as well. So yeah. like, although, although like what's, what's at stake here is actually your difficult relationship with your boss. What mm-hmm. it's played out as is is a fight with twin submachine guns as you slide down a destroyed tower into two hundred demons. Yeah, I and... won't work weekends. Yeah, 
and that feels like a more fun way to deal with our problems anyway so yes all all, all playing is therapy and dying doubly so oh that i mean yeah there's there's a statement so what you're saying, Jess, it's like, yeah, it can be very, the catharsis is very real, but it mm-hmm. also can be very fun at the same time. And also both, mm-hmm. of, it can be like catharsis mm-hmm. or you can play it lighter or you can do it literally when you're doing both at once. Because you just said there's nothing, sorry, as Grant says, there's nothing more cathartic than shooting your boss with a machine gun. You know, um, the, 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 the demon with the face say. of your boss, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I apologise. <laughs> I, I couldn't possibly say Russ of uh, EM Publishing is a wonderful boss, so I'd never shoot. Um, he's probably watching. Um, but yeah, but moving on to uh, to the game. So the inspiration behind it, well, it's ba- well, it was a comic book first, wasn't it, Kieran? Because as you say, your background and your work is writing comic books. So that was how it started. So could you talk us through kind of the comic book and how that transitioned into you m- making Grant make it into a game? Or... It's, well, <laughs> I, I honestly, Kieran made it into a game. Oh yes, um, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 here, I'm here as an editor and a producer and a publisher. Uh-huh. This is this is Kieran's thing. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's kind of no, it's one of these. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it's weird because people always ask me what's it like to convert the comic into a game, mm-hmm. but it's not really how it happened because I was developing both at the same time, and the whole oh, thing okay. very rapidly became a conversation between the two medium. Like, uh-huh. like I make these kind of like weighty, slightly meta. Uh, playful genre comics mm-hmm. so with die i was trying to do a book about why people play fantasy games anyway mm-hmm. i know that the world you go to in the actual comic is um this kind of conversation it's like you've got this empire which is based on tolkien but world war one you've got this whole bit of the brontes you've got a whole other bit based on Cr- mm-hmm. prussian 19th century war games and they're all in a critical war with each other but it's really about the six league characters and their, their, their problems and can they make an agreement whether to come home or not mm-hmm. um so it's a personality study and it builds this climax and they you know, and then they decide to split and not go home. And then they, you know, so it's all basically about their personal drama on yeah. a real scale. So the whole, whole point was, I can do this as a game. In fact, this is very clearly a game structure. You know, the rules are really simple. They go to a fantasy world. Everybody has to agree to go home. Everyone has to agree to stay. Mm-hmm. And very key, and dead people don't get a vote. Um, so okay. like, there is a kind of like, we're very quite careful in the game of how the, the, the player versus player aspect comes in. It's normally mm-hmm. only ever right at the climax, if, if even mm-hmm. it does at all. To be honest, most games I play of die are much more like eventually is that people go, okay, we've made an agreement here. As in, because the question is really what is worth, what what will you do to get what you want? Is one of those questions all the players mm-hmm. face. Yeah. Anyway, but this is what I mean. It's like the whole things were done at the same time. So elements I made up for the game, like the, the secret of the fallen, like, um, it's like, okay, what happens when you, when I play a character dies and die, they come back as a, as a basically a zombie called the fallen. So they carry okay. on. They, there's no player elimination. They carry on playing. Oh, great. Okay. But if you eat someone else, they become alive again, and that person is now a fallen. So in other words, it's a way of like that's a mechanic mm-hmm. to remove player on, on elimination. But it's also yeah, a really, yeah. a really powerful element in the comic because you suddenly yeah. realise all these monsters you've been fighting used to be people. How does how does that work mechanically in the game? So are the fallen then working against the rest of the party, or it's one of those kind of open questions because it's meant to be. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't, you know, they feel the need to do it, but they don't. Ha- uh, but will they do it? And again, this question of what okay. will you, what will you do to do it? And so some of my most important, and then the, it's a really difficult problem and then the group decides what they can do. And there's mm-hmm. maybe other solutions to get them back from being a fallen other than just eating, noshing on your mates. <laughs> but it is, especially because the game is based around one of you got, dra- what, it's one of your, one of the characters' faults. Sorry. Mm-hmm. One of the players, as in the GM, their mm-hmm. kind of persona, their character is the person whose fault is they're in the game in the first place. So okay. there's, at least, there's at least one person several people might want to kill. So there's, okay. all, you, know, you know what I mean? So that's kind of a, yeah. another aspect of the game. In fact, you know, this is one of the things about Die. It's um, It's got so many little quirky things in there. Like, you know, mm. I've completely only 
I failed to mention until now, the GM as a character. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, yeah. uh, and the GM pl- pl- normally plays a class called the Master, and the Master is mm-hmm. basically the worst portrait of a, a cheating G- GM. You know, you you basically okay. get to bend, you get to basically bend the rules on the fly and occasionally cheat outright. Okay. Uh, so someone and, who rolls the dice behind the GM screen, sort of person. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, there's resources and rules about it. <laughs> uh, that, that <laughs> okay, yeah. Stops you doing it just freely. One will be precisely ordered as we say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, yeah. the great the great thing about the master classes, they've got these um. Basically, the judges of all reality keeping an eye on them. So when mm-hmm. they cheat, they're trying to avoid being spotted by the game cops, essentially. It's like the old joke about okay. there's, no, there's no game police who's going to come around and stop you using the rules. Oh, no, no. Die has game is. police. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to murder your master. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's just like one yeah. aspect of the game. Okay. One thing I'd like to touch on in terms mm-hmm. of the adaptation, which I, which I, I find really interesting, um, is that most adaptations come from a purely narrative um, property. And yeah. so occasionally characters, especially when you're dealing in the sort of power levels that we're looking at in Die, characters will do something which is like, like well, like, like it hasn't been established they can do that, or it doesn't make sense with their power level for them to do that. And mm-hmm. one of the things which Kieran's very cleverly put into the game is everyone can break the rules of the game and they have a currency for doing so. So okay. if you want to do these sort of stupid, over-the-top, elaborate things, mm-hmm. every character class has, broadly, has the means yeah. to make that happen, and they are generally punished in some way for doing it. But it's just a really nice way of like, oh, yeah. oh and and if, if the rules would stop here, then we can keep pushing up, and, and that's covered in the cortex. Yeah. And that's really nice. nice to say, it's clear that it's been written alongside mm. The uh, the graphic novel as it's sorry the comic book as it's, as it's grown. Yeah, it's like there's all the classes basically. When I was thinking about them, they've got two sets of abilities, and they've got the basic set, which are much more like a standard RPG character's abilities. They're just like yeah. your gun, your gun can shoot, you can fly. You know, they're, they're mm-hmm. called the basic verbs, and then yeah. they've got their special narrative level abilities. I tend to think of as, and so they're like the I mentioned the masters cheating. You got stuff like um, like Godbinders. There's a good example. They're kind of like the cleric as a demonologist. And the idea okay. that their, their basic ability is like scripture, and they are basically mm-hmm. essentially spells. So they've got a set thing they can do. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're much more like spells. And then they've got miracles, and miracles mm-hmm. are literally anything you can talk your god into doing. And okay. your god, and then your god gives you a cost, or ask you, oh, I'll, I'll do that if you owe me a favor. <laughs> you know, and then down the sounds line, sounds very fey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then the, mm-hmm. then down the line, the gods, um, you know, the gods will call in that favor, and you'll go, oh. <laughs> and so every different class is a different sort of cost and benefit and like because that's the other aspect i wanted each class to feel despite having this backbone of all having the same sort of structure they're all very individual in terms of the other characters won't quite know what exactly trouble you're in <laughs> but okay. you know and that you know and that's for me when i was playing those original games all the way back to merps rpgs mm-hmm. were kind of myst- mystified mm-hmm. so i was into yeah. mystification and there's a lot about die that like every character in die owns one of the dice so it was yes. no, other, no other player gets to play apart from the master touches the d20. No other player apart from the emotion knights touch the d8. And you know mm. what I mean? So like you're trying to lean into the weird magic items of dice as well. And mm-hmm. all, you know, and even the fact evil GM, that's like using 1980s satanic panic imagery. You know? Yes. Like yeah, there's yeah. a lot of that kind of flirting around the forbi- the forbidden fruit of gaming, which we can, you know, since we've now won, we can actually play with that <laughs> instead of being scared. Those, that's yes. my age showing. <laughs> no, that makes perfect sense. Um, could we maybe step back and dig into the rules a little bit? So if somebody hasn't had a look at the Kickstarter and is unfamiliar, um, from what I've seen looking through, it's uh, the basic core mechanics is it kind of a D6 dice pool system. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. for me, the system was quite important that I wanted to have a sort of objective world. Like I love mm-hmm. uh, player facing mechanics, you know, yeah. but in this case, since you're going to a fantasy world and one of the key questions is, is it real? 
if the game defines all the characters in the world you go to as less real than the players, you've already got your answer. So I had to have like a sort of objective system, but it's so Mm -hmm. strict. But of course, to play any speed has to be really stripped down. So it's a dice ball system. You roll your stat, uh, the number of D6s. You you add dice if there's advantages, remove them if there's not. Four Mm -hmm. pluses is a success. Um, you get if you've got a, a class dice as in your d8 or whatever you yeah. get to add that as well and that of course nice. is red it's the same so it's four so in other words if you add a d12 which is the godbinders dice four plus is still a success that's really easy to get success if you're using your miracle mm-hmm. stuff um and the number of successes if you do it or not it's kind of that's the absolute core and i, it, I was trying to make it like um, a really good soup is the way you know really bad the, the basic soup you would add ingredients to you yes. know what i mean like yeah, I wanted stock. To, yeah stock that's the word stock. thank you <laughs> so like um and it's especially, you know, here's an example of why I want it to be quick. It's like the dice pool system is both hit and damage. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So in other words, yeah. I'm cutting down the number of rolls because I yeah. know there's going to be more rolls because the, the players, the, the characters you fight will also be rolling. So that's kind of the tools. Mm-hmm. Any quirks worth mentioning, Grant? I mean, like the special system is fun. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Yeah, the, the special is an interesting way of doing it. So um, rather than say crits, what, uh, what we have mm-hmm. in the game is specials. And so on a six, yeah. not only is that a success, but you spend it to trigger a special. And these things function like special effects. So specials is a really clever name for them. But yeah. they range from um, uh, your target catches fire and takes another hit next round to um, mm-hmm. this this hit ignores armor to things like you look great doing this or a parrot <laughs> lands on your shoulder and makes friends with you. And so like nice. like these are so these are defined by the, like where the action is taking place based into mm-hmm. like the genre of the area, uh, what weapon you're using, your character abilities, and so. I think the I, I I think like one of one of the most useful things about the system is the fact that it doesn't have a great deal of quirks. Um, mm. The quirks come from mm. within the character classes, but you're you're always coming back to that to, to that to that core role, which means that you have the flexibility to get really fast and loose with with stuff yeah. like. Um, if you if you decide that you want to have, let's say, just off the top of my head. Um, uh, a tank that is also a bull, and uh, and uh, so it's uh, does it have does it have tracks or legs? We'll work that out. But it would be possible to improvise tank yes. tank bull rules using this without really stopping to breathe. So there's there's no like how on let's check the rule book on this kind of pause for five minutes Not in really, the game. No. Excellent. Yeah. Like it's like that. what we wanted the rule book was to be uh, an, an inspiration. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all throughout, because Dai is so much born of the characters' fears and desires and dreams, uh, the book is giving you the tools you need to make something which is innately personal to each group, filtered through this Dai um, filter of these are the classes, these are the stakes, on you go. Yeah. It's, I mean, like, it's, I mean, Grant really picks up the fact there's so much other stuff mm-hmm. going on in the game. Having this core mechanic, which is simple and robust enough to fall back yes. on, but with enough quirks to be interesting, you know, like the special, the fact you, you know, what am I going to spend my six on? Will I use it to like mm. hurt them more? Or will I use it to look really cool? You know what I mean? Mm. Like, there's, there's enough little decisions there, but also yeah. it's good at abstractation, you know, abstract parts. In other words, you can do it in like your basic sort of DD kind of like combat sort of system. Or okay, mm. okay, this time we're going to go all the way out. We're going to use this dice roll to decide who conquers this continent. Yeah. So, like, mm. the dice pool system can move up in and out. There's lots of different ways of reading it, but it's never gets in the way. And for me, like, for for me as a GM, the mm. second you have to start flicking for the manual, uh, the the immersion breaks. That's yeah. Like, I want to yeah. downtime is so important. You know, you want to basically oh mm-hmm. roll dice. Have we seen a fail? Great. I'm excited. Next thing. 
that kind of the punch, 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 punch of stuff. And yeah. they um, also the pause, you know, the pause, okay, well, this is what this dodge roll means, and now we're mm -hmm. going to follow it through. So that's kind of the thinking of the system. It's like, um, we've talked a lot about something where we really, the point is, we want it to get out of the way. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I think it gets well, out of the way. It's really hard to write rules that stay yeah. out of the way. It's really <laughs> difficult. And, and and also, like, rules which empower people. Because, sorry, it's possible to make very light rules. You know, yeah. I've written 61-page role-playing games. Mm -hmm. But whilst doing those in a way which are easy to remember and easy to use and, mm -hmm. and like, and feel natural and... Yeah, uh, intuitive. That's the challenge, and we've worked super hard on getting our language sorted out. Yeah, so like once once you've run your first combat, hopefully you're pretty much set. Because yeah. this has been a long time in the making. Because I think it you said five years that it's been playtesting this game. Yeah, like in various states, it's like um, mm -hmm. I started. I used to be a games critic in my previous life, and I've always kind of been a Sunday mm -hmm. painter designer, like in video. Like I just occasionally mess around with a game design, never planning yeah. to release it, just to play. Because it's fun. In fact, game design mm -hmm. is very much like playing a game for me. You know, it's the same sort of, yeah. here's a challenge. In fact, yeah. it's especially like board game. Uh, you know, it's mm -hmm. definitely got that kind of aspect to it. Yeah. Um, so I was immediately playing. I mean, I had the cool idea, which is basically let us reiterate the structure of the die comics. In other words, group of messed up people go to a, dragged into a fantasy world, and then the set rules whether they go home or not. So I knew what it was. And so I could start playtesting very quickly. Um, mm -hmm. And then again, reiterate, reiterate get it really gets to a state where it's all written down i give it out to people see what's working a lot you know lose mechanics which were frankly darlings that needs to be killed there's some which i oh. i feel very bad for the bad dice the bad dice was a, was a mechanical fudge that you have to add a a, a dice that is uh subtracts from your role and it's oh. um, basically and you had to ceremonially shame the dice in the game and it's like no one ever used it <laughs> No one ever uses this role. This is pointless. Aww. It's funny, but it's pointless. We will get rid of it. Oh, it's such a shame when you have to get rid of stuff like that. You're like, but it's so cool, but it doesn't work. But it doesn't do anything. Like, oh, yeah. So many injured mechanical horses, as it were, behind <laughs> the stables. And just, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah my, uh, there's, there's a lot of rules blood on my hands. Well, maybe <laughs> they can be resurrected as the Fallen, if you will, in another game. So you never know. Maybe they'll Nightmarish mechanical life. monsticities. Yeah, yeah. it's just uh, a yeah. stuck-together system that appears crawling out the back of the shed. That is literally a dice scenario. Honestly, I've been thinking about like doing a bad the, the return of the bad dice as a setup for a scenario, but the idea of all a game where all the bad dice come out. That's an you. Yeah, yeah. But no, I, don't, I like it too. I'll say. Jess, Jess is in. You've got I, one you know, backer already. Excellent. You know what I mean? There's, that's actually part of the. Obviously, we've got this really robust core scenario. That's kind of that was the most important thing because mm. if you read the beta, like what it was said, original betas, it was like you've got the persona generation stuff, which mm -hmm. is completely freeform, and then basically yeah. it says GM using the persona stuff, work out what kind of world they go to. And here are some tactics you might want to use. Pick one of these twelve tactics, which might be any good. You know what I mean? It's like, that's a lot of work. It's going to be bad most of the time. <laughs> so what we ended up taking it down to, like Persona Gen, like we've got a set of questions that will generate an interesting group every mm -hmm. time. And there's other sets of questions. You can always go freeform, but this is will definitely mm -hmm. give you a group. And then okay. we give you, hey, this is a great method to make a world. This is what you do. And it's easy and accessible and always all that kind of, because some people are always going to be really hard to sort of blend people's lives. And we, yeah. me and Grant, you know, we boiled it down to these are really simple like rituals. Do this. We promise you it'll be a good time. Mm -hmm. But then we put all that other stuff, like other ways to make worlds, in a whole section in the back of the book. So like once you've got the kind of core thing down, you add other stuff, play in different ways. And then, you know, we've also got these like one -off, more quirky one-off scenarios at the back, which which train to set up significantly and do like really kind of... Um, like there's one story which is basically a group of... The group is set up as various people working who worked on a comic book together and they've now fell out oh, so it's completely 
hope completely meta. There's a really good uh, version. I played it with various of my famous comic writing friends, and it's the most uh, truthful I've heard about the comic book industry. And the world they go to is um, a comic con. So you use a comic con map to inspire you at the adventure, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right. So, in other words, that's a really set up. You know, that's a mm-hmm. set. That wouldn't work for all groups. It only works for that one. And there's a lot of that dice. So in other words, your aforementioned evil mechanics uh, game. That's absolutely a perfect way to do die, like being hunted down by the FACO rules or whatever. Uh, I, I really want to run a game of D and D. Sorry, game. <laughs> I really want to run a game of die um, where all of my old D and D characters and basically every campaign I've abandoned, and like and like like they they turn up for revenge. Oh, yeah. Like, where where are you, Grant? We've been waiting. Yeah, We've been running around <laughs> the campfire. This has been a very long rest. So, this is- <laughs> There's this one mechanic we have, like in the in the weird stuff at the back section instead of the core yeah, box. Yeah. It's been called. Yeah. I call. I'm not sure it's going to still be called this. It's called the box of crap. <laughs> but it might be called. The, it was originally called that in the beta. But it's the geek oracle. Is that mode? So okay. you put a box. Anything you know. There's lots of about using tarot cards, which is great. But mm-hmm. anything can be used as an oracle in the right way. So we yeah. put a box full of interesting like geek stuff, and you draw into it and use it as inspiration for the story. And definitely mm-hmm. one of the things I suggest putting that is old character sheets. There's something quite like the horror, existential horror of getting out an old character sheet someone remembers and goes, okay, they're going to turn up. You know? Um, you rogue from when you were 15 is here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. And they're disappointed <laughs> in you. I'm not disappointed in <laughs> you. Well, sorry, we've gone way away from the core of Die now. Let's, no, I mean, but like, that's, that's fine. But I think that shows how flexible the game is because you, the, what you can kind of do with it as well. Mm. So uh, that, that's great. I, I will yeah, drag us back more to the core of it, though, because we talked briefly about some of the classes and we have this absolutely gorgeous artwork here that I want to showcase on the stream as well. And we should definitely talk about the artwork, actually, um, because I think it was it was redone. Um, was it Stephanie who worked on it? Who does yeah, all yeah, the Stephanie yeah. Is doing the Stephanie yeah, yeah. My co-creator of um uh, of die like she did all the art in the comic and she's just basically doing a load of new stuff for the uh, book like we kind of we wanted to make sure there was like their own iconic cast of paragons instead of just the people from the comic we'll do a whole new cast you know because to show people oh no you read the comic you've got an idea what the fool may be like or the neo well let's show you different ways they could be um, yeah. so Stephanie's completely going for it and um, giving a whole new cool uh, cast of weirdos uh, absolutely beautiful artwork there you've as well to... just looking through. We got to make um, the, the the iconics in an in-house playtest that we did, and oh, yeah. so all the characters in the dial. I'm like, oh, that's my Godbinder. That's me. That is. Oh, yeah, well, like, oh, that's yeah. very cool. Yeah. That's yeah. that's like some serious art for your campaign there. Then. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely. We do feel we've cheated Stephanie that way, but we went. <laughs> oh, well, oh why not? That's her. Is that, is yeah, no, no, that's no, no, so that's uh, that's our friend Saxy. That's that's Saxy's yeah, yeah. fault. That's full. Uh, so this the is the full one of the classes in the game. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The Fool's kind of, I mean, all the SIP classes are kind of a riff on one of the core D&D sort of classes. And mm-hmm. like, the Fool is kind of like the the tactical dictator is one half of the bard. This is the mm-hmm. other half. This is kind of the swashbuckling, uh, mm-hmm. uh, playful rogue kind of character. And the Fool's main abilities are, they just basically are super luck. As long as they don't take anything seriously, uh, they, they get loads of bonuses. Um, uh, you know, they can... But they've just not to not take it seriously. They've got to basically jump in. They've got to basically um, be that impetuous player. And of course, in a game where everything's meant to be quite serious, that's hard, you know. Yeah. And it's and course, the fool's a great class of people who are a bit more playful. It's one of the more rules like classes. So nice. it's like you know, it's very much like if this is how you like to play games, this class mm-hmm. is kind of for you. Um, yeah. And the thing they get to do, which on their dice is the d6, which of course is the standard dice, which you may think is a bit boring. But what their fool gets to do is they get to draw on their dice. So you get a marker and you mark in symbols. And if you roll your symbol, uh, a fluke of luck will happen. 
You know what I mean? So something good will happen. And if you fail through all that symbol, you add another symbol. So it'll build up to eventually you'll get something lucky for you. You know what I mean? So that's kind of yeah. how their their dynamic works. I like it. Um, we have another class that intrigued me here because the name was the Emotion Knight, which sounds very goth, as you mentioned before, you're saying <laughs> goth Jumanji. Uh, can you t talk us through the Emotion Knight and uh, and what they do? Well, the emotional is my especially thinking about oh how can I do a fire class and end up thinking about paladins and mm -hmm. I'm of an age when you you when I was like playing uh, D and D uh, you could only have like um, lawful good paladins it was that kind of era yeah and they, that always felt weird anyway mm -hmm. <laughs> and also the idea of religious warriors always felt a bit off in lots of ways to be honest and I thought okay but I like that structure yeah. um, actually when I say off it just felt like in incomplete in some way or unsatisfying mm -hmm. and I found once doing my research I found. Um, uh, Someone's, I've got the guy, Puttrick, I think his name is, who is uh, a real world uh, psychologist who had the idea of um, there are eight emotions. And all the emotions are based around either intensities. So, like, grief is more intense than sadness. And, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's eight okay, emotions. Yeah, and yeah. all of everything else is merging those eight emotions. And immediately mm -hmm. I was like, oh, eight is the sacred, eight is the sacred number for fighters anyway. It's the old, the eight longsword. You know, it's, it's the okay, eight. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. It's the eight on the DND um, uh, like grid apart from neutral, which doesn't count. Mm -hmm. You know, so like this eight is a, is a magical number. There's a lot about numerology mm -hmm. in die, or not real numerology, the numerology of fantasy games. And yeah. so I say, well, there's eight orders of knights, each one about these emotions. So you've got grief knights, you've got terror knights, you've got ecstasy knights. Each one of them, they are more powerful the more they feel mm -hmm. their sacred emotion. So like, um, so like a grief knight, which is the one in the comic, if they feel profoundly sad, they can just kill dragons in a second. Uh, in that way and so it's all okay. about and the way the emotion nights work it's normally you choose your emotion in character creation so you're basically yeah. picking the emotion which is really about your persona's problem so it's, yeah. so if a character's like really angry you might pick rage night or you might if you're incapable of expressing rage in the real world maybe then you press rage night and the story becomes can they gain contact with their rage and they're kind of like they're too ability they've got like oh they, they've got this arcane it all comes with the arcane weapon which is sentient okay. and talks to you and tries to urge you to in, you know it wants you to do your emotion amazing um, um yeah and they're two they've got two levels their basic abilities is like a selection of like fighter class abilities really mm -hmm. um which there's some cool stuff because you've got stances linked to your whatever emotion you have so you've got things like um choose one that you, like if you're in a awareness night or whatever you're always aware mm -hmm. of, if you're in this stance you're always aware someone's looking at you that kind of thing or mm -hmm. like the um or, or the rage night if it, one of their stances i think is they can uh I've literally got how we did the rules, but it's basically you can kill you basically can kill someone with a glance in that kind of you wouldn't yeah. mess with me. <laughs> uh, wow, something to aspire to there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then the high level ability is something called creative violence, is when you burn up all your energy and you basically mm -hmm. there's a list of not depending on how much of the emotion you're feeling, you've got a different nouns you're gonna defeat. And it's like low like oh, I think level two might be a weakness. So you, or you can defeat a city, or you can defeat, you know, these are quite broad nouns, and mm -hmm. that means you can do it. And this is like one of I think level three is at least has an army. And level yeah. five, you're hitting stuff like truth. Mountains. Yeah, you know what I mean? And they burn up all their energy in one go. Uh, and of course, it, all may, it may kill you and it may kill everyone else. But that kind of, that's the um, the ultimate warrior kind of moment where you kind of... The yeah. cover of the book, actually, is a vigilance knight doing their uh, creative violence. Or yeah. Oh, yeah. so this, this picture here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so you can see Stephanie did, did like, all the eyes for vigilance. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. but, like, we, we figured that was the most exciting thing to show on the cover was a vigilance knight, like, popping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, when I was originally trying to do the playtest, the rules, they, they, they never ever touched the D8 except when they were using creative violence. So I wanted mm. that sa- that samurai moment, you drew the sword. In, yeah. You know, yeah, in the end, it didn't work as much as I like. It sounds great, doesn't it? You have to roll mm. it, but um, in the end, people just like rolling their D8. So I ended, yeah. uh, so I ended up using it elsewhere as well. But that, mm. that is what it feels like. When when they go for creative violence, everyone backs off because they know, oh, right. They're like, whoa, it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> It's all. Nice. So we, we talked in depth about two of the classes there, but there's there's many more in the game, as we've discussed. Um, but if, uh, Grant, if you were to pick a class that you feel represents you, which one would you pick from the game? Well, if that, if I really like the fool. Question. Um, of course. Because, uh, because I feel like uh, I, I've i really made a career off, ne- off not taking things seriously. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. But um, I think the... One which speaks to me, the one which I, which I, the one which I played in the playtest, the Godfinder, um, and the I've always found um, much like Kieran, like the role of religion in role playing games hasn't quite rung true for me. It hasn't quite yeah. landed, Just, mm. like, especially seeing as like um, your your average pally, your average cleric um, is either a good looking fighter. Uh, who yeah. is he doesn't quite have as many maneuvers or yeah. someone also someone who medkits fall out of and their relationship with their god isn't ever really explored and like mm-hmm. i've always found it fascinating like to devote your life to something in that way mm-hmm. um and so to the godbinder um rather than devoting their life to a god they treat them as a warlock so it's uh like, it's like a patron uh, thing yeah yeah precisely um and like so uh my game uh heart which i wrote with chris taylor um, it's a dungeon crawler game, and basically every class is a different flavor of warlock. You're mm-hmm. siphoning power from something that doesn't want you to siphon power from it. Oh, and okay, so yeah. the Godbinder is very it's, it's very similar to that in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And so when you make your Godbinder, um, it's like you're not stealing it in the same way. Like it's it's a more cordial relationship. You're like a broker. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you get to define with gods. And that's really neat because, um, like, Kieran's got a list of like the six starter gods and six difficult gods, which come in mm-hmm. afterwards. Um, but like, <laughs> there's, gods. There's, there's the war god, the god of light, the uh, the eldritch god, uh, the nature god, and yeah. they give you this little, they give you these these, these little abilities which you get, mm-hmm. um, and then also you can get free form miracles if you want. Like, if you want to turn into a bear, great, that's the nature god. If you want everyone. <laughs> right. to into a bear that's a miracle but it's, it's doable okay um, yeah. and because you're because you're creating the gods because you're sort of answering these questions it means that the it's not right here are the gods that die and you'll have your relationship with this it's the same as everything else in the world mm-hmm. is that it's made out of your made out of your fascinations made out of your terrors and so uh, my god of light was played by uh, miss El- miss ellie Goulding. Because um, my character really liked her music, and I always thought there was something sort of like faintly ethereal about her. Yeah, yeah, and, that makes sense. Yeah. And so, yeah, and so whenever, um, whenever I start casting light spells, starry-eyed Bailey Goulding sort of comes in over the. Well, I, that that would be the hint. I, I really like the level of customization that it brings. And the game I ran on Monday, there was some pick the Eldritch mm-hmm. God, and they um, 
and as uh, their, their persona basically used to read like the red wall books when they were younger <laughs> uh but they okay. refused refuse to admit only re reading them anymore so their eldritch god was the very angry vengeful uh rat uh, demons in a basically they were rats. <laughs> they, uh, the rats they were ab you abandoned us you ignored us now you'll pay in blood bring us blood you know that kind of like and then the eldritch god it's all about so it's mm, weird like okay. children's literature as eldritch god and this of course is just from the characters so you take the back yeah. you know yeah. instead of having these gods which just random stuff in the world these gods become personal and the great thing is they're just npcs as well so like yeah. if you i'd say you know it's about miracles is about deals well that whether that deal is depends on what the gods like and just because they are quote unquote the war god doesn't mean they're all the same like and that's one of the fun things the more you play in a, in a longer campaign you're like these gods both become you know your source of power but also antagonists and npcs if you mm. you know it's a it's all really good material and it just comes from those kind of ideas uh, sorry grant no, it's fine. Um, they can turn it whenever you like as well, because they're gods, yeah. which is wonderful. That's handy. Uh, if I, yeah. If the, the god, they, if the god binder picks up their point. D12, they can always address their gods. Is that That's one of the things oh, they can no. do. Yeah. Sounds excellent. Do you have um, another question I'll jump in is, do you have any other stories uh, from playtesting in particular standout cool moments? Uh, I don't know how you're going to be Ellie Golding, you know, singing thought, music not, uh, story. But... <laughs> no? Okay. There's a lot of pop music. When there was, I did a yeah. scenario that was set at the Reading, uh, the, the set with the, the band were all, um, they were basically a band who used to play this yeah. uh, RPGs when they were touring. And they were on the way to the Reading Festival, was the car crash, and I remember that band died. So when oh. they went into, then it, they get back together years later, they play a yeah. game, and the, the die world they get sucked to is based on the Reading Festival. So I used the Reading Festival bill of that year as the, oh. the setting. So they're trying, to, they're trying to get backstage. And backstage, mm -hmm. I have Bowie backstage as a as this kind of demonic lord of it all they're very fair and uh, just me the players how, almost yeah, stopped, literally, literally <laughs> the, the players are, were screaming in utter delight and amazement and that's kind yeah. of the joy of one of the good things about dyers oh, yeah it's the persona and you're talking about mm. their obsessions but some mm. of your stuff always creeps in as well <laughs> and yeah. it, you know what i mean and it's uh that's that's what i love about when it's really personal and weird and the abilities mm. build up i mean I like to give it like I, the 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 first full die campaign I played, which is like a big kind of like 35, 40 session game, um, and obviously you know a longer game is always like I mean, what's like die course normally like two to four sessions, and so there's various different uh -huh. ways. But you can play it a full campaign. It's a you know full advancement rules and stuff. Yeah. And the whole kind of game was based around will everyone get back to Earth or not, and it's all based basically whether the master could use their abilities. It was like a player wanted. To, player would have to kill another player for, for, to return to life and go back and they wouldn't do it i just i just can't kill you you're my friend um and the master said okay i'm going to try to cheat see if we can get us all back um and it's basically if, uh, okay. if, you, if a master's have any cheat tokens the basic is a really simple mechanic you put mm -hmm. the d20 in your hands and somebody has to guess which hand it's in and if they find it the, the judges really <laughs> find it and if they don't they don't so can, we have this can you do any cheating with that? Can you be like oh, just... that would be that, that would be cheating and rude. <laughs> but it was literally, we've been playing for this like an yeah. entire year and change, um, mm -hmm. and it all comes down to can you which dice is this? The player picks. Mm -hmm. Everyone goes back to real world. I open the hand. They pick the dice. So one of the players is dead in the real world because she was trying to save everybody. And everyone was obviously it was hard, and everyone's like, after, and it, it was the person who drove them in, so it's kind of quote unquote their fault, but it wasn't. Well, <laughs> but, but they, but at the same time, did they deserve to die? No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> over the, I think the line she said just before doing it is the problem mm. with becoming a better person is you have to be a better person. And so, like she, so she had a complete <laughs> character arc, and it's, honestly, it was, we had to stop having a bunch. I did give her. There was a kind of happy ending in the epilogue for her, and that yes, she was okay. she was trapped in Dyer's Lord of Hell. 
uh, you know, and she kind of liked that, and that's fine. She was very gothic, <laughs> but you know what I mean. That the whole the idea yeah. of us all whole, after so much work as basically pick which hand, and everyone was in that moment. Uh, that's you know that shows me that's one of my favorite sessions ever. But die yeah. every time I play, it's just always so rewarding. Um, yeah. Like when I've been playing for like five years now, I think that says a lot something about the game. So I'm excited by it. I'm really happy to share it with people. Yeah. Um, it's so great to see the Kickstarter campaign doing so well. I saw it, and that's why I reached out to ask uh, you to be on the show. So thank you so much for giving up your time to come and talk about it. Um, if you are watching and you're thinking, hey, this sounds pretty good, you can go on to Kickstarter. The project is live now. At the time of recording, it's over a quarter of a million raised. Uh, and when this goes out, it'll probably be much, much more than that. Uh, but the link is in the show notes. You can go check that out, die the role-playing game there. Um, uh, if, as this show wasn't live, you haven't been able to ask your questions and answers, but you can bother these fine people on social media with your questions. I'm sure they'll answer them. Um, so Facebook and Instagram, you've got Rome, Rook and Deckard. And on Twitter, it's Rome, Rook, Deckard. And we've also got the website there as well with the links. Um, if people want to bother you with questions uh, as well, Grant, where where can they bother you? Um, so the we have a really good Discord, oh, yes. uh, which I realise I can't. Oh, Wow! Wow! Which I have the link for. How professional! professional. Wow! <laughs> the link for that will be in the show notes as well. Go there. Because uh, mm -hmm. that's, that's quite good. Uh, I suppose if you've got any questions about anything. I'm also on Twitter, at GSHowitt, mm -hmm. um, which is, um, which is my, which what, I, what I use most of the time. It's kind of one of our main promotional things. So if you want something quick there. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I, mean, I mean, I think really, if, if you've got a question, my first advice to you would be to back the Kickstarter and yeah. then contact me through the comments and back it for a lot of money and then contact <laughs> me the we'll definitely see if yeah. it's in the comments okay excellent excellent great um so yeah so yeah definitely go and um back the campaign it's something i've done I'm very much looking forward to to getting a game with that uh get in so um thank you so much for coming on the show uh, to talk to us is there anything that you wanted to say that you didn't get the chance to no, we're good, I think. No, no, no. It's, it's, like, everything. it's like we've, we've been quite authentically excited. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I am. <laughs> That's why I, I generally I ask people on the show because I see the game and I like it, and it, it's interesting to me because there's so many different games and stuff on Kickstarter at the moment. So, you know, I I am genuinely excited about the game. <laughs> no, no, it's like yeah, I just it's a lot of stuff, and that's been great. Joy, it's just a bunch mm -hmm. of stuff, and it's kind of our love. It's, you know, when I was writing, it's meant to be. This is why I like RPGs, and it's a bit of everything. And mm -hmm. and it's not okay. That's not quite true, but it's basically a portrait of stuff I like and think why yeah. games are amazing. How they're this mm -hmm. democratic, creative form that makes us you know empowers us and so yeah i'm really excited fantastic well uh check out the kickstarter campaign and back it there because the best way to support indie tabletop rpg creators is to buy their stuff so please do that um next week on not dnd uh we have another indie creator on we have love and barbed wire uh, so alex white is coming on to chat to us next week on the 6th of june at 10 p.m bst but if you're thinking jess that's i can't wait a whole week that's fine don't you worry on this channel here we have uh the star cross seaway episode which is the penultimate episode so you can check out level up advanced fifth edition and on Thursday, we have the Awfully Cheerful Engine with the excellently named Accidentally Anthropomorphic Animal Heroes one-shot happening on Thursday as well. And I said that in one take. Uh, you can get that on there. Uh, but thank you very much for coming to see an episode of Not D&D. Kieran, Grant, thank you so much. And best of luck with the campaign. Thank you very much. You're very kind. Lovely to be here. <laughs>